Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to Recovery Wednesday. Today is May the 11th, 2016. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Well, thank you, dear heart, and welcome back to the show. We're honored that you're with us today again as we inquire about this uh, Awesome first century teaching on the topic called forgiveness. Quite the opposite of what the the culture teaches us. Forgiveness is about how we reach inside of ourselves and remove the capacity for any form of hostility or fear, and by so doing are able to be restored to the presence of love, to the truth of who we are. If you hold a newborn child, you know exactly what love is. And being the essence of who we are, the restoration to that state is the whole common substance of the work and the conversation that we've been having on this show for almost six years now, five and a half years. And every word, five days a week, an hour a day, every word is about that process, that restoration. One of the things we haven't talked about in a little while is is the codependence, the interdependence work, and in particular the power person dynamic. And in that workshop, we introduce what we call a power person. And that power person... is one who had more power over our lives at some stage in our lives than we did. And with today being Wednesday and recovery, the power person dynamic becomes an important part of the conversation because if we had a power person who had a particular way of behaving that wasn't loving, the tendency will be for us to be always engaged in the mimicry of one of the dynamics that we learn from our power person. When one 
has their birthright right removed from them. When one has their birthright violated, our birthright is to experience ourselves and the people around us as the active presence of love. When we have someone in our lives who isn't acting as love and they are they have more power over our lives than we do, then the tendency is our whole lives long to mimic the dynamics of our interaction with them and the behaviors and the way that they functioned will tend when we're under stress to govern our behavior. There are three basic behaviors possible when one is living out of a power person dynamic. And you can tell what level you're at by the level of stress that you're under. So when there's no stress, what most people will do is they'll behave in a way that they behave with their power person when there was no stress. When the stress starts to build, they'll shift into doing whatever they did. Whatever They start out with whatever they did to get along with their power person, and then when stress starts to build, they'll shift into the second level of behavior, and that is doing whatever they did to resist and survive with their power person. And then when they become ultra-stressed, they'll do whatever their power person did to them that they hated the most. I'm checking. Be all right. Pardon? Just checking to see if you're hearing me all right. Yeah, you're muffled a little bit, but right now you're pretty clear. Oh, good. Okay, cool. So when we get stuck in those power person dynamics, what tends to happen is we lose awareness of our essential nature and get lost in the dynamic of the power person. So let's say, for instance, if you had a power person that was always setting you up to look bad, they, they always had a complaint about you, always told you what was wrong with you, always told you what you were doing was, that was wrong, and, you know, it was like I can never do anything right. Can never. What happens is you'll tend, especially when you're stressed, to set the people up around you to look bad and to deserve your criticism and to deserve your put down and to never do anything right. There will always be a way. Even, you know, you're with somebody, you say, oh, this is the most genius person I've ever met. This is the most awesome person in the world. But when you're under stress, if your power person set you up to fail, set you up to look bad, then you'll always find a reason for making that person look bad and being a failure. No matter what they do, it won't be right. It won't be good enough. If the behavior that happened with power person was that the power person always found you not to be good enough and never doing it right. So part of the recovery process is freeing ourselves from those power person dynamics. And the key tool for being freed from those power person dynamics is the tool of forgiveness. Now, remembering that forgiveness does not mean I let you off the hook for what's happening inside of me, but if I find myself always feeling a little frustrated with the person beside me, always feeling like they're not doing it right, always feeling like there's always a reason to criticize them, there's always something wrong with them. I look at everything they do, and boy, if, if they just do it my way, everything would be fine. Then 
forgiveness is a way I go inside myself and I address and I begin to remove the mimicking of that power person dynamic. That is, I stop playing it out over and over and over again and I start to live in a different space. And that different space is the space we're looking to move to and the space we're looking to recover. So recovery is not about, you know, the the whole idea in our culture of somebody's got a disease and they're recovering from that disease. That's not where we're going with this Recovery Wednesday. We're looking to recognize that when you were held as a newborn, the only word people would use to describe you would be some variation on the theme of sweetness and love. And the work of recovery is recovering the truth of ourselves as that sweetness of love and getting back to the truth and the expression of who we are as true human beings. So we welcome you to be part of that show. And yesterday we didn't get to say hello to Dr. Tim at all. So let's start off and say hello to Dr. Tim if he's with us today. Can you hear me? You're loud and clear, sir. All right. Well, I'm doing quite well. I enjoyed the show yesterday and the questions and input and, uh, And as happens every Wednesday morning, I can report we had another fabulous group last night. Tell us about it. Well, we had the we had several new people who'd never been there before, and we had only a total of ten. And um, we watched the first half of your video. Purpose, Personal Power, and Commitment. And this was a special request from a couple people because of last the last two weeks we did um, getting the stress you need. And in there we were talking about canceling goals and goals as a primary tool for managing the stress in our minds. And we were talking about how to know the quality of a goal and if I should set a goal. And so then that led into the discussion about being able to be clear about what's my purpose for being here. And so we started, we watched the first hour of that lecture. Um, A really young guy, uh, Dr. Michael Rice, quite young. I should introduce you to him. And <laughs> okay, wise guy. Well, I mean, it was shocking. I didn't, I didn't think it, that that video was from that that long ago. But it, it, it almost reminded me of um, the videos you did with um, the Course in Miracles, which were even younger. But anyway, we're um, we're watching the video, and I kept thinking, oh boy, you know, I'm hearing the word Jesus a lot. This is before you were using Yeshua, and. Uh, and I just made a mental note of it, and sure enough, we got around the table and several people who had seen this lecture a number of times commented that this time they just they didn't remember there were that many scriptural quotes and that many references to Jesus in this lecture, so the energy was up for that and uh 
and it led to some nice discussion. And then, and then the, um, and it might have been because we had you know three people who've never been to a group before. And I think the people who have come on a regular basis are getting such benefit from the practical application of the tools that at times they get a little bit defensive and they want to make sure people know this isn't a religious thing. They they get excited about wanting to share this and they want the newcomers to know it's not always like this. <laughs> this isn't a religious group. <laughs> okay. And and then we had three wonderful, powerful testimonials, unsolicited testimonials, about how the work those three people did last week in the group translated into a major difference in their life in primary relationships this last week. So, I mean, it was delightful. One one person was moved to go visit an old stomping ground and do the grieving process and cancel goals that she had for what went on there and how her family was, she felt uh, ostracized from that group. And then another person talked about how the powerful worksheet she did last week dramatically changed her ability to relate to her parents differently this week. And then another person talked about how the worksheet she did last week privately transformed the way she was able to see and interact with, I believe she said, a brother. So primary relationships in life dramatically affected for the better by the work people have chosen to do in that group. Phenomenal. And then, of course, somebody stepped up and did a worksheet last night, which took him from a an upset level of a 10-plus down to a zero. And um, and we were just thrilled to be there to support it. So, you know, I don't know how it gets any better. I'm sure it will. I just can't see it from here. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and I certainly understand the embarrassment that a lot of people feel when Yeshua is brought up in a conversation because the, and and I don't think there's embarrassment for people around Yeshua. It's embarrassment for what people have done in the name of Yeshua, the insanity that are taking place. Gene and I watched a film last night and uh, it was kind of a medieval, uh, you know, witch burning thing. And, and it's just the atrocities that have been done and these people are standing up there and, you know, spouting, you know, this is you know, this is going to save you. This is how we save your soul. And the atrocities, the, the, the fear-mongering, the, the terrorism that's been done in the name of Yeshua, who came as this gentle space of love and said, I come to bring you life and bring it more abundantly. Not I come to bring you fear and terrorism and crusades and witch burnings and you know it's like there's just been so much that's been done and and people actually believe that that stuff that so many of the churches have done is has something to do with Jesus or Yeshua and it has nothing to do with him it's what men have done in their insanity but I certainly understand that uh, that posture because uh, 
there certainly have been some horrendous atrocities, and there continue to be uh, horrendous ostracisms and atrocities done to people in uh, in his name when got nothing whatsoever to do with him. And, you know, when we're talking about the 12-step work, I was uh, actually very delighted to hear a piece of the the puzzle that I didn't know, which Gail shared with us way back in the first show that we did around recovery, that the original 12 steps came out of a thing called the Oxford Group that was a a study of first-century Yeshua's first-century teachings and back before they became tainted by the Greeks. And, uh, of course, it works because Yeshua's teachings just work, that's all. They're, they're right there at the core, and here's how the whole game is played. So let's check in and see if Gail is with us today. She is, Are you and with she's us today, Gail? Well, great. Let's say hello to the young lady, and let's see what's on her mind. Good morning. Actually, it's afternoon now. Good morning. Now. Welcome. I guess it's a, it depends where in the world you are, but it is kind of in the afternoon. Yep, yep. Anyway, I enjoyed yesterday's show. I didn't get to listen to Monday's show um, to hear the how the conversation had opened up, but I most definitely heard it yesterday, and it was beautiful. I loved it. Um, very much in appreciation of all the questions and and. Um, all the answers. And um, today has been about watching the grandson. Um, I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, so my daughter and um, my grandson's father can go to work at 5 o'clock. And I've been pl- we've been playing since 8 o'clock this morning. So it's been a beautiful day. Awesome. And, um, so right what now we're at the library. Now? He's going to be 3 in July. So he's, uh, at, a, he's at a really sweet age. Precious. Yeah. So we're at the library. You know when you say when you say he's at a really sweet age, that's what we want to recover, isn't it? Because that's what we were. That's where we started. We all started out in that sweetness, and somebody put something else on top of us, and we forgot. It is true. It is true. And that's the truth of who we all are. Well, where imagine I go if to we could when... get... I was going to say, imagine if we get everybody on the planet to remember that the person that they are ready to rage at or call the enemy or the person to blame in their lives is that. <laughs> First and foremost, how different would the game be? It is true. Yeah. I agree. And I'm grateful for the, the tools, but the one tool that I've been using the most or where I go to, I kind of, I call it a spot check inventory. And that's what we call that in step 10 is if I'm reacting to anything with less than love, if I'm anything less than love, then it's on me. I mean, that's my work to be done. And it's nice to be able to go to that very quickly and assess that situation very quickly and then, you know, take a step back if I need to and then get to that place, get reconnected to the divine and get to that place of remembering who I am and who I need to, how I need to be responding to a situation. 
it's not perfect. Still, still in process with with doing that better in in shorter periods of time. But I'm grateful for for that. I'm grateful for that little bit of you an inventory. You haven't perfected it all yet. I have not perfected it, and I think with oh. that comes walking on water. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so we know who's perfected it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> So if you start to hear news reports about somebody walking down the Mississippi River, that that's me, and I got it down. So I don't awesome. think that's going to happen. We'll, we'll, we'll look for that report. Well, anything uh, in regard to the uh, the recovery work, the 12-step work to uh, that's on your mind today to uh, to share with us? Well, I was going to tie it into the power person dynamic that you started out with. I think where we start to get in touch with the power person dynamic, and we don't call it that, um, we call it uh, character defects and shortcomings. But I think that's where our character right. defects and shortcomings come from, is from the um, from the power person dynamic, where, as you say, the world starts to put its thumbs on us, and um, we start to learn what I would call survival behaviors in order to survive in the household that we were brought up in, and we inventory that in in step four, and what we look at in our step four, and step four is we made a fearless, wait, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And what that means is that we're looking at the facts. We're, we're doing a fact-finding and a fact-facing proposition. Um, and what we do is we look at our... Um, our resentments, we look at our fears, we look at our sex conduct, and we look at harms done to others. And in that in that process of doing that, when we're looking at our resentments, we write down who we're resentful towards, what they did to us. And then in the third column, we look at what they affected. Um, the premise there is that if we're God-centered, what other people do to and around us is not going to affect us because we're, we're tied into source. And then we look at seven things that have been affected by the actions and behaviors or perceived actions and behaviors of another person. And we look at self-esteem, and that means what we think about ourselves. Pride, what we think other people think. Uh, pocketbook, which is our financial situation. Ambition, which could be, I want to be president of the quilting club, and you are, and I want to be. So that would be ambitions, um, personal relations, sexual relations, and emotional security. So we check those off or write those down, um, depending on how we're doing it. And then we ask ourselves five questions, and I always get this wrong. Um, we ask ourselves, when we start to turn this back on us, where have we been dishonest, self-centered, frightened, Self-seeking and inconsiderate, I believe, are our questions. And then when we start to ask ourselves in this particular situation, have I been frightened? Have I been dishonest? And usually I could mark at least dishonest and frightened and all that. And it's usually I'm frightened. And the reason why I'm frightened or I have fear, um, then I'm dishonest about who I am. I'm always wearing that mask. So, so that ends up being a dynamic that I always 
uncovered in every person that I've ever inventoried that I had a resentment is that I was being dishonest because I was afraid to be myself. And so that was my original um, going into a relationship. I wasn't honest about myself. And then I was mad at them because they weren't being honest about being themselves and they're reacting to my dishonesty. And so when I could get down to that, then I could look at, I think how you say it, it um, we do something 80 some odd times with 42 different, pe- different people. We start to see the patterns in every single relationship. And then that ends up steering me down to, and I've, I've steered, steered other people down to, that sounds like a, a survival mechanism or a survival skill based on what you originally learned from your parents. Or, and so that very, very, very similar to looking at the power person dynamic and um, looking at fears would be the next thing to examine, writing down all the fears and how all the fears affected us. And then um, sex conduct, if you take self-centered fear and take sex conduct and how self-centered and selfish that we could be when we're addicted to substances and combine those together, that's where we do the most harm. And we look at our, our behavior and, and um, you know, when, were we not getting enough attention? If we weren't getting enough attention in this relationship, were we seeking attention outside the relationship? And that was a huge one for me because I never knew appropriate ways to get attention and, and um, to fill that void. So that that's an example of some of the work that I've done in in twelve step um, in recovery, which is similar. I want to make that correlation to the the power person dynamic, and then in step five we talk about it. We talk about um, the exact nature of our wrongs, and in step six we're willing to let go of all of our character defects, and in step seven we let go of all of our, care, our our shortcomings, which are basically um, our thinking errors. So that's what I have to offer there. Awesome. Awesome. And isn't it interesting that, and, it, and it's the same thing, the, the whole root of the power person dynamic when one goes to, you know, the uh, the behavior that the power person did to us that we hated the most is when we're in survival mode and it's interesting that everything that the non-being mind uses for survival is what ultimately destroys us so so we take on this this behavior in order to survive and it's the behavior that destroys us does the exact opposite of survival so all based in false thoughts false needs false beliefs and especially a false understanding of who we are, and uh, so that's uh, that's so uh, so powerful to have you start out with talking about the three-year-old who's such sweetness and the reminder, you know, to keep that reminder in front of us of the truth of who we are, the truth of who our power person was, and what we lost touch with, and what once again, if we engage in forgiveness, opens up to us in the way of experience that sweet, powerful presence of love that we can bring back into the hidden parts of our mind and that produces healing. So 
Thank you. That was a great synopsis. You are very welcome. Thank you. Honored yeah, to be delighted. on the team and, and to be able to contribute. So, thank, yeah, thank you. Delighted. Delighted. Well, let's check with Jeannie and see if maybe Dr. Androcki is with us today or if there's anybody else with a hand up in the phone queue or anything happening in the chat room. Jeannie? We do have a couple hands up. Um, if I'm not sure of all the phone numbers, I scanned down through them once and I didn't see Dr. Androcki's phone number. Um, the first number is area code 781. You're on the air. Who do we have? Hi, Michael and Jeannie. It's Ron. Hey, welcome, sir. Thank you very much. And thank you. That was Gail speaking before, right? Yes. Yep, it was. Oh, thank you, Gail. Your voice um, sounds a little bit muted. Are you uh, close to your microphone on your phone? You know, it, it does it. Is it any better if I move over much here? Better. Is it the much same? better. Oh, okay. Much better. Um, I wanted to chime in a little bit about the, some of the discussion about uh, Recovery Wednesday. And I love your distinction about it's not recovery in the sense of people have this dis-ease and we have to recover from it in the traditional sense, but more recovering who we really are. It's a nice piece for me to to integrate into the work in the program. One of the things that I've said in a lot of AA meetings, which is uh, came about because I uh, do this work, is just the observation to people, especially who are new in recovery, that if you really study the steps and work the steps, there's one thing that I noticed is that the steps don't give us anything. The steps are not additive in nature. And what they're doing is they're stripping away uh, layers that are built on top of who we really are. And so everybody in a room in an AA meeting has that in common, that we all have that love inside of us that is what we are. And so this it's not an indoctrination process where we go in and we learn how to be good or, we, um, or the steps add goodness to us. The goodness is in us already. And the steps are Good point. the process of taking that apart, or taking that that is unlike who we really are, apart. And um, a lot of times, Great a lot of eyebrows go up when I when I share that. A lot of people kind of look at me like they've never heard that before. Um, so, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, there's so much you know beauty that can be brought. Cause the program has been so, so, such a gift. Uh, in the last century to mankind. And, and it was, again, as you said, came from the first century, our uh, teachings of Yeshua, but the, you know, being brought forth into the culture the way it has has impacted so many people and relatives to people that it's just uh, mind-boggling to me when I ponder how many lives have been touched by uh, the work of, of people in the recovery movement. Um, and... Um, one piece of mind energy that I've been working on today, I, I did a random mind shifter selection, um, quote unquote random, <laughs> an intuitive mind shifter selection, and and came up with uh, that it is safe and healing for me to be in a totally committed relationship. And as I wrote, uh, it, it it didn't come up. It wasn't so much about my spouse and I, or my daughter and I, or my my soon to be born son and I. 
who I saw on ultrasound this morning, by the way, and looks phenomenal. Um, awesome. It was, yeah, very exciting. Um, it started. It, it started touching right into uh, career stuff and 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 the world at large, and just my connection to. Um, my com- it's safe and healing to be in a committed relationship with, and I just kept writing all these different um, things around career, everything from Verizon to uh, <laughs> to to stuff around careers, and then the the latest one, Michael, and it, when you talk of of how um, much insanity has been uh, added to Yeshua's teachings. Um, and you spoke of the crusades. You know, one of the pieces that I started working on this afternoon was around fitness, and I realized that I have a crusade mentality around fitness, <laughs> and, I, and it's 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 a big chunk of work for me. I mean, I I grew up uh, watching cowboy movies and Rocky movies, especially where I can lip sync to Rocky movies, and and the whole model of fitness oh, that I, I I have in my in my in my in my and it's and I, it's a funny it's a funny conversation but to, but it's also you know a heavy one to me too is that uh and I've run marathon before I've done a triathlon before but but I, I noticed that a big chunk of my and a lot of people in recovery I see uh with the same um uh disposition we we get into fitness and next thing you know we go from you know zero to eighty it's like a crusade mentality it's it's like a okay, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm going to get fit, and what I mean by that is I'm going to go to war with myself until I get fit. So I, I would love to. I'm putting that out there for you to offer any kind of uh, mind energy I can listen back to that might be more nurturing for me around fitness than than going to war with myself to achieve fitness. So big. It's. I need to breathe. Yeah. Well. It's probably a replication of the power person dynamic and the way that they, when the stress was up and the chips were down, treated you out of that push, push, push war mentality and you have to be defeated as opposed to nurturing the truth of who we are. And so it might be worth looking into uh, that aspect of uh, of your relationship with your power person. And was is this a, a replication when the stress is up and the chips are down? Uh, I have to go to war with something. You know, you look at there's so much in the world that's based on that. You look at medicine today, and um, British uh, Medical Journal just came out with a uh, an assessment that the third leading cause of death in America is hospital, you know, and there's so much war done there. It's all about, we have to kill the bad guy and, and to, uh, to let loose of that and recognize that there is a need to let go of the need to do battle with something. You look at how many people talk about fight for peace, you know, fight yeah. for what you, you hear want. It in, Don't you, fight for you peace. Don't fight for what you want. Be loved for it. <laughs> you, yeah, you hear a lot in AA about, I hate this effing disease. I hate, you know, and I always kind of go, oh, no, no, we don't need to, to go there. You know, that's the people who are wind up the healthiest in the program are not the ones who go around saying, you know, I hate this disease. They're the ones who 
who practice recovery of who they really are and offer compassion and support. And probably they're the people whose power person expressed a lot of hatred, at least in their perceptual system. They expressed a lot of hatred, and that's just, you know, another piece to be loosened, another piece to undo. One of the the interesting things is that um, the... The way that this non-being mind or ego mind works is it it can integrate anything and make it sound wonderful. I mean, there was a a, a former um, head of the War Department of the United States government. I believe it was under Kennedy, and he actually wrote a book called "Fight for Peace." You know, when you think about that, and and so much of the like the model that we <laughs> say it again. It's like saying drink for sobriety. And that's the, the mentality and, and the mentality that needs to be forgiven is this tendency to do war with oneself and to surrender that tendency and to keep going back to the presence of love, to keep going back to the presence of love and to keep going back to the presence of love becomes a so whole much. key. I had two two things that resonated for me. Um, uh, Two non things were resonated for me when you started to respond. The first one was a lot of unconsciousness, and the second was one of my power persons in adulthood, you know, telling me about a story of his career. And when his career got better, is when he he got angry, and that solved everything. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. that. I, I I got angry, and that's what did it. Yeah, it's amazing how many people argue for their anger. We hear that all the time. And then later I hear in life, there was so much more. There was vulnerability, there was sincerity, there was, you know, love, there was, you know, there there were other, I think that's what we do so often is we, we become successful in some arena and then we go back and edit and determine what caused our success and we're often really far off. For sure. That's part of the whole denial system. That uh, recovery from denial is such a big piece of the puzzle. Well, that's great. I, I'm I'm complete with that, Michael. I appreciate your uh, your input. I'll listen back and uh, work it. Awesome, delighted. By the way, one of the th- things that comes to mind uh, as you're talking about having seen your son on ultrasound, uh, you might get in touch with Dr. Tim. There's a person that he works with up in uh, Chicago and I don't know if she's still doing this actually when my granddaughter was born we got a piece of art done by her but she takes the ultrasounds and accents it with colors and turns it into a piece of art really cool. oh my gosh wow really really, really awesome neat. idea and really sweet so you might touch in with Dr. Tim and uh, get her uh, contact information and uh and or I, I might have it. I don't know. Tim, do you know if, uh, and I'm not even remembering her name now, the lady who did the uh, the art with ultrasound pictures? Yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. And she used to frequently... Nina? Nina? Nina Bryant. That's it, Nina. Yes. Anyway, and she used which to frequently awesome. group, and, and I will try reaching out to her I don't know if she was still doing it or not. She's been, been through 
lots of life changes since then, and I haven't spoken to her in years, but I'll try and reach out to her and see what happens. Cool. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And right, another thing I noticed. Well, I noticed yeah, on yesterday's call when I listened back that it was very, I was very breathy, and I noticed it's a result of a certain headset I, I wear sometimes. So I invite you if I ever am on the call and I if my breath sounds that loud, just let me know and I'll adjust my headset. Okay. I don't know if no it sounded that way to you. There was some breathiness in it, yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's it. That's it for me today. I'll listen back and. Uh, I appreciate I'll continue to listen to, to this call. Blessings. All right. Well, Jeannie, do we have anybody else with a hand up in the phone queue? Or? We did have another one up, and it has disappeared. So if, uh, caller, if you are still on there, if you press one, it'll throw you back to the top. Or if Terry or Dr. Androcki or any of the ones who normally join us on Recovery Wednesday are on, if you'll hit one, it'll put you up at the top of the switchboard where I can see you. And chat room's quiet. We don't have anybody in there either. All right. Well, that means that our call-in number being 646-200-4169, that if anyone has a comment or a question, if you're on the phone line now and you push one without any waiting, we'll be having a conversation, and we'd love to hear your thoughts. How can we support you? If... um, if, let's say, the, all of us who have just been speaking had been on a platform in your hometown at the local library or university or church or wherever it was and had this conversation and each of us walked off down the platform, what, which of us would you come over to and ask a question of and what would your question be? And the, the space of uh, calling into the show is exactly what this is designed for, to have conversations that stimulate your questions, and then to give us the gift of your question. And the reason I call your question a gift is because, you know, I don't have your life experience. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know how deeply you've gone into a particular area to have the capacity to ask the questions that you know how to ask that maybe we've never even thought of. And I find in doing this work that the gift I get from interacting with so many people is that areas of life, areas of understanding that I've never even considered when people ask their questions those areas open up to me. It's an awesome gift. And so if you have a thought for us or a question, we'd love to hear it, and we'd love to receive that gift. Some people sometimes say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure my voice wouldn't be shaky, or I might not ask the question just right. I might be embarrassed. It's like, okay, so cancel your need to be free of embarrassment and uh, push one and ask your question doesn't matter if your voice is shaky. We'll just hold the space. So if you have a question for us, our call-in number is 646-200-4169. If you push one, that'll raise a hand in the control panel and through the magic of technology, Steve will know that you have a question for us, and we'll have a conversation. So, Jeannie, do we have anything happening there in the uh, chat room? 
anyone with a hand up? Nobody has any questions and nobody has a hand up. So we've got about 15 minutes so we could get in a couple of good questions. For sure. Michael, do we have time to have a conversation about um, restoring one's vision until somebody puts their hand up? Please go for it. Um, And the reason why I bring this up is because Tracy brought that up um, last Tuesday. And I was going to tie that into um, Recovery Wednesday in denial. And um, because I think a denial is a form of not being able to see the truth, which I think would affect somebody's right. eyesight. And at the intensive um, in Kissimmee 2016, um, during Maza Living, my glasses broke. And. Um, I had had a conversation with you at breakfast or early that day and said, hey, I think the universe is is telling me that I need to work on my my vision, on my eyesight. And um, right. you pulled out the, the vision chart, which I have at home, and that's something that I do every day. Um, when I wake up every day, I do um, a love exchange with myself with that mirror that Shirley gave everybody in Kissimmee 2015 at teacher's training at, or at the end of teacher's training. And um, then I do the commitment to myself and then I do the commitment to others. Of course, I didn't do that this morning at three o'clock, but I will do it when I get home. <laughs> and then I do the vision chart. Okay. And um, and that, that's on my plan um, for laws of living to do that. But the other thing too, the other things that I've done that have improved my um, vision have been breathing and when I've done a breast session, I've seen um, things when I was younger um, that uh, when, when I was an infant, um, I experienced falling off a changing tra- table and having a head, head injury, and then also um, early childhood sexual abuse that would have affected my vision as well. So though, seeing those blocks and experiencing those blocks and knowing that that would also be a part of my addict, uh, my addiction to hiding from those feelings and behaviors. Um, I just wanted to share those things that um, recovering vision is, is digging in deep and, and starting to see what blocks us off or what we don't want to see and what we don't want to experience. And I wanted to share that. And I'm going to go ahead and go on mute and say goodbye to my grandson who is walking out of the, out of the library right now. So, and his mom is loading him up into the car. Give him a big hug for us and mom too and tell her we said hello. Blessings. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. And we did have a hand just go up. Okay. Area code three three six. You're on the air. Okay, it's Tracy, so I wanna know what the vision chart is. I don't know what that is. Well, hey there, young lady. Actually the vision Hi. chart I'm is... getting chips. I'm working with Julie and it's it's like whoosh and I appreciate the thing about the breathing because I really struggle I did not realize how much I hold my breath like all the time and I I don't even breathe in my real life I think you know I mean I must be breathing just enough to stay alive (laughs) and not enough to get the full oxygen I need yeah unfortunately that's a pretty common thing to shut down the breath because when we shut down the breath we don't have to feel Yep, yep, been doing it my whole life. Mm-hmm. But That's I, um, a very early habit. 
Yeah. So I'm getting a lot out of working with Julie, and and I just I don't know what vision chart Gail was referring to, but um, you said she looks at it every morning, and I thought, well, what's that? Is that a tool okay. I can well, use? It is actually. It um, you know, as a kid, I started wearing glasses as early as I can remember, and all my life had to wear glasses. And it wasn't until about, oh, let's see, 10 years ago, I guess, was the first time in my life. And, of course, I've been around the sun enough times that my vision should be deteriorating instead of doing the opposite. But uh, but it was the first time I was able to get a driver's license without glasses in my life. Wow. And uh, a part of doing that was creating this vision chart and really working with the willingness and the ability and asking me to, to be able to generate clearly through my brain pictures of what was, were pictures that were accurate about what was going on in the world instead of, you know, I don't want to see, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to feel this. And so I created a, a chart. It's about a, uh, oh, I'm not even sure, two feet by two and a half foot um, laminated chart, which I've just actually, you know, had a few of them printed. They're, you know, it's fairly large. And uh, what I did was I took several thoughts, several mind shifters about seeing and vision and put them into uh, a large typeface that's easily read from a distance and then got the typeface smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until it's minuscule. And that was one of the things I did was work with uh, telling my brain that it was proper and okay to see the smallest lines on the chart. And another thing that I did, I with the glasses that I wore, you know, all the years I had to wear glasses, my prescription actually pretty much stayed the same. Got a little stronger there for a while. But then I got the idea that I had to get rid of the prescription and just have clear glass. And so what I did is I had uh, what they call is the, uh, the line-free bi- uh, trifocal or, you know, infinite. Mm-hmm. Uh, vision, and what I did is I requested, and it actually was quite a hassle because oh, we're not supposed to do that. That's not legal, and you know. So it took. Well, okay, if I'm going to buy glasses here, here's what you're going to do. You're going to make the very top part of the glass just clear, plain glass, and then start the uh, prescription at a place where. I can just tilt my head and look with no prescription, just plain glass. And then if I need to have that support for seeing, then I lift my head and I can see through the uh, the uh, lens-adjusted glasses to get the, the correction that I needed. And so all of that contributed to getting to the point where I was able to uh, basically throw away my glasses. And now I actually at night, I oftentimes, I, I keep a pair of glasses because uh, night vision is is still clear using the glasses. So at night I still do that, but uh, that's not required for my driver's license anymore. Wow. So that's, that's amazing. How long did that take? Uh, uh, my whole life, 
you know, I've been doing yeah. this work for <laughs> okay, good. Mm-hmm. 45 plus years, and it was always, you know, the willingness to see, the willingness to see. You know, right. you, you look at, you know, on Mondays we're doing Miracle Mondays, and you look at the course, and you look at how many times in the Course in Miracles it says, the world you see, the world you see, the world you see, the world you see. And the the truth is we don't see anything outside of us, but we tell our minds to distort the world of perception that we construct through our denial and our unwillingness to see and through holding the breath and through all of the tools of the, uh, the non-being mind. And so that's the, uh, the vision chart. And uh, I do, I think I've still got about a half dozen of them and uh, because they're fairly large print, they're in two colors and they're laminated. They're not cheap. They're about $35 plus the shipping. But if you want to order one, we'd be happy to ship one out to you. Okay. Well, that's amazing. You know, it's that <clears throat> while you were talking, I had worksheets coming up because I could feel myself making myself wrong for not having, you know, gotten that when I was actually there in Florida. Like I can, so there, you know, there's another layer of the, that power person, which that's what it does is that what you guys were talking about earlier, that in, that instantaneous make wrong only I'm doing it to myself um, for the past. You don't, you and don't need your power person be to be there for you. The, bre- the gap between how it is and how I want it to be. Right. So, or how it, well, it is, you know. So thank you for opening that up as yeah. well. It's interesting in this particular case and, and helps to even make the power person dynamic clearer because – Back when you were at that intensive, we didn't have the chart. It wasn't available. <laughs> but, but notice you can make yourself wrong for something that never even happened. And, yeah, well, I'm good at it. <laughs> well, I support right. you getting, you know, dumping that one and getting good Dump at Dump that one and yourself, get good at um, self-care. Yeah, cherishing yourself, living as the presence of love, caring for yourself, nurturing yourself. That's what I support you getting good at. Yes, and spraying love on everyone. There you go, especially your own cellular structure and your eyes. And yes. the part of your brain that creates perception in the world that you see. Well, I'm very excited to report that I got to um, visit, that I finally got cleared to visit the optometrist and get glasses. And so either on Friday or Monday, I will be able to put glasses on and find out what kind of vision I will have when corrected, which is going to be very exciting because they've been telling me, don't do it yet, don't do it yet, don't do it yet. And I've been, you know, not that I want glasses, but if they improve my vision for what I have, it's a breakthrough, a huge breakthrough. For sure, yes. It's a tool that will help me um, live life right now. And so I'm really excited that, that that's, um, that's a positive because how it's been is, you know, kind of like don't bother. So Right. Yay! Well, that's, Celebration. That is exciting. Thank you, God. That is exciting. Yeah, that that technology is there and available for you. And I, I'll just put out the thought, if it's not too late to do so, that you get them to do a progressive type lens and leave the very top of the lens plain glass so that all you have to do is a slight tip of your head. If you use it, if you need the correction, you hold the correction, you know, you're reading a book and you hold the correction so that you can read the book all right. But then you can just 
dip your head down a little bit and you're looking through clear glass, you're able to read it with correction and then tell your mind that it's okay for it to read it without correction. And the mind will tend to start to respond to that. That's very cool. Very cool. It is. It is. Okay, well, I'm well, delighted to hear your voice and the spirits that you're in, and uh, and we certainly are holding the space for 1,000% recovery for you. Amen. Thank you. Of, awesome. The truth of being. All right. Good blessing. All right. Lots of love. Okay. Take okay. care. All right. Michael. Uh, yes, sweetie? So, uh, two things. I got a text from Magda, and she said when we get there, she wants to buy one of the charts, the vision charts. And then we got a question in the chat room. Do you have a mind shifter for eyesight? Yes, absolutely. It's safe and healing for me to always be able to see and hear the truth. It's safe and healing for me to always be able to see and hear the truth. Because one of the things, you know, they talk about people aging and that as they age, you know, hearing just naturally goes. I don't think hearing naturally goes. I think what happens is there's enough denial. I remember working with a gentleman in Texas. Actually, this goes back, golly, 30, it was when I was still in Atlanta, so 30-some years ago. And I'd gone to Texas to do a series of workshops, and there was a gentleman there who was in his mid-60s. Actually, Julie will remember this man because I think she was at the intensive he was at when he came to Heartland. And he had worn hearing aids since he was about, I forget now, 10, 11 years of age. And during the intensive, he got in touch with what happened at the age of 10 or 11, and he was overweight, And people nicknamed him Piggy. And he didn't want to hear it, and he shut his hearing off. And within just a few minutes, he was kind of looking startled and and looking around the room like, you know, there was something going on, there was something wrong. And I, I said to him, well, you know, what's happening? What's happening? He said, well, why is everybody shouting? And nobody was shouting. Everybody was talking in the same tone but he had allowed his hearing to come back on, his willingness to hear. And and this guy was in his 60s. And he was 10 or 11, 9, when he shut his hearing off and needed hearing aids. So we can make a difference when we're willing to look at the truth. And uh, we're down to the last minute or so, so I'm going to just invite everybody to... uh, to create the best year yet of your eternal life. If this show has been meaningful to you, go to the archives, download it, give it a listen again, attach it to an email or attach a link to the, uh, uh, to the archive and send it to somebody, share it with somebody. We do have a fundraising program for getting all of our videos and audios converted so that we can set up a members area on the website. You can take a look at it on the website if you'd like to support us. If this work is supporting you, we invite you to support us so that we can take it to the next level of making it available to every mind, heart, being on the planet. In the meantime, thanks for joining us. Be blessed. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, 
and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the Internal Aramaic Process of Forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael, myself, or Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org. 